This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin along with Austin Lane and Coos here on a Wednesday. And... Uh, we have been talking about social injustice and the protests uh, throughout the week, and the conversation has continued. Uh, Shad Khan, Jaguars owner, issuing an op-ed, uh, powerful uh, words, and now what's next with action is something we just discussed. And we will continue to discuss those things because I think as this trickles into the sports world, when they actually are playing, what meaning does it take on? Or do we get blinded by sports again, in essence, the scoreboard, uh, the highlights? And do we lose kind of uh, all the emphasis of this week? And it's something we have wondered really all week long. Is this different? What's next? How long will it last? Is it going away in another week and a half? Or is it something to stay, something to uh, provoke change? And um, it, it's an ongoing conversation, one we can't fully answer. Uh, but I think it's an important thing to monitor uh, throughout this whole thing. And speaking of such, uh, Drew Brees is, for lack of a better word, getting lambasted right now on social media, it looks like. Uh, at least you've been following it very closely. Yeah. In the last few hours, he went on, uh, he spoke publicly and was asked how he would feel if players kneeled or knelt during the national anthem mm -hmm. like they did back in 2000 and. Uh, 16, 17 time frame, and Drew Brees had this response. Well, I, I will, I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Let me, let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played, and when I look at the the flag of the United States, I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears, thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s. And everyone, and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better and that we are all part of the solution. That is Drew Brees, uh, and that it's in its entirety. I think sometimes you got to be careful and give it to it its entirety uh, of um – uh, of a statement and not just read a headline, mm -hmm. but still, Michael Thomas, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, two of his wide receivers, uh, not too happy. LeBron yeah, James so, just tweeted. Give us an update yeah, on social so, media and what the reaction is from other athletes to yeah. what Drew Brees is saying. Well, and let me start out by saying this. The relationship between a wide receiver and a quarterback there's nothing quite like it. Yeah. Well, okay. Offensive lineman potentially. Well, but yeah, but I mean, but let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like me and Puzz, yeah, we were close and everything. But to be fair, like wide receivers and, and offensive linemen, the offense, man, they have to gel together. They have to be tight together. They have to be tight knit or you're not going to have success. And we're talking about Michael Thomas, who was arguably the best wide receiver last year, who caught a lot of balls, obviously, from Drew Brees. Michael Thomas came out and said that he doesn't know any better. 
referring to Drew Brees. Emmanuel Sanders, his new teammate, you know, coming over from San Francisco, said, shake my head, ignorant. And then we got LeBron James, um, you know, who, and obviously LeBron James is pretty spoken about, you know, obviously the, the social injustices and things like that. But let's be honest. I think last time I saw LeBron James and Drew Brees together was at the ESPYs. And they were obviously taking pictures and everything. But wow, man, uh, is it still surprising to you at this point? It sure isn't. You literally still don't understand why Cap was kneeling on one knee. He, it has absolutely nothing to do with the disrespect of the flag and our soldiers, men and women, who keep our land free. My father-in-law was one of those. And I'm just going to preface it by saying this, too. It's crazy because if you look at Michael Thomas's timeline, where he obviously kind of uh, trashed Drew Brees a little bit, the tweet before that, you know what it was? He he retweeted Shad Khan's post. Interesting. He he retweeted Shad Khan's letter. Interesting. So yeah. uh, so that's obviously being felt around the league. I know Adam Schefter put that out as well. Yep. ESPN, it's on their front page. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you know Shad Khan's words uh, mm-hmm. being heard throughout uh, the the nation and throughout sports and throughout the NFL, of course. I feel like my first reaction to this on the Drew Brees front is twofold. Why open that wound again? And 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 I don't know if that's the right reaction to have. I'm just being well, honest with you. I'm just saying yeah. that's my why do that again? Mm-hmm. And and a lot of it has to do with what I said a little bit earlier in this show. Are you going to get me down a side road? At what I think this week has accomplished so far, at least in many respects on this this issue. And are we going to get sidetracked? Because in my view, and you, it, what Drew Brees is trying to say, uh, the issue he tries to bring up when we talk about 16 and 17, when 17, when the Jaguars had a dozen players kneel during the national anthem, when they interlocked arms at par- arms at powerful image in London. Of, of Shad Khan and Brandon Linder and Mercedes Lewis, uh, Telvin Smith and Doug Marone. What that story became was about patriotism and the flag. Emmanuel Acho even said it in his 10 minute video yesterday. Mm-hmm. That became about the flag. That didn't become about oppression. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't about what it was intended to do. And so what Drew Brees is, is, is he bringing up? I know he was asked the question, mm-hmm. but is it a different issue? Like, are these melting issues together, or is it a different issue, and are we about to get sidetracked again? I, I guess that's my curiosity listening to what, what Breeze said and now the reaction to it. Listen, Drew Breeze is the ultimate competitor. You know, he, he's beaten me a couple times going against him. He's also embarrassed me on national television when he juked me out of a bootleg, and I fell and broke my ankles. Ran to the sidelines, Joe Cullen cussed me out because, I'll be honest, <laughs> didn't know Drew Breeze was so athletic, all right? And in terms of intelligence, I think Drew Brees is a very smart man. He plays um, probably the hardest position in professional sports, and he's one of the best to ever do it. Okay, so that's what I got to say about Drew Brees. He's a great teammate, and he's a great teammate that's as what well. Most people I've, I've heard, yeah, around the league. And I guess it just baffles me a little bit that a dude can be so smart, but at the same time can't see the forefront and then or feel what's going on right now when you say things like that about the national anthem when you get asked the question do you see players in the future kneeling again and you come out and say probably and i'm not going to support it well number one you're not seeing the point right and lebron james got touched on that a little bit but even more and we'll get into that in a second but my issue is you're not helping the situation okay because there's two roads right now um with everything that's going on right now in this country you, you can either be a solution or you can try to add to the problem. And when you add to the problem, it's, for instance, when you put hashtag, hashtag Black Lives Matter. 
And then you get met with the comment, well, all all lives should matter, okay? To me, what Drew Brees did is an all lives should matter kind of comment. Yes, Drew Brees, I understand that your grandpa, sir, you, you, both your grandpas served in the wars, and that's awesome, man, and I commend them for doing that. My grandfather served in Korea as well. Like, I think a lot of us have had family members that served. But you have to understand, when you say things like this, whether you, you're, you're genuine or not, you're going to get met with some criticism, and you're going to get met with some anger and some frustration, and you're seeing that right now with your own teammates, okay? And that conversation's going to have to come, you know, whether it's on a Zoom call, when you get to the stadium, but he's going to have to address it. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, being in a lot of locker rooms, I'm not sure if a lot of his teammates are going to take that apology or, or hear whatever he has to say, because I'm sure right now a lot of people are mad at Drew Brees. I'm going to ask you something from a naive point of view, mm-hmm. okay, um, and just in discussion. Mm-hmm. I think this was ill. I told you in, in the break when I, if Drew Brees, Drew Brees should never have answered this question. First of all, mm-hmm. if that's really how he felt because of what you just said, the timing is way off, man. I mean, now we're distracted again from from what the mission is. And I think the time I, I just would have said, hey, if if that happens, ask me again. Right. Yeah. Uh, if, if this is really how you feel and genuinely how you feel about it. And that would be your answer six months from now as well. But that would have been probably the best way to handle this mm-hmm. at the moment. But from a naive point of view, why do you think there's the backlash so quickly on social media? About Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Because what – and the way I ask it is, does that mean players were planning on taking a knee again in the fall? Uh, when sports comes back, are they planning – you know, the, yeah. why, why is Michael Thomas – Saying that, mm-hmm. why is Emmanuel Sanders saying that? Why is LeBron James saying that yeah. so adamantly um, about a topic that kind of distracts from the mission, if you will? It's simple, man. Okay, because Brent, you know this firsthand. You've been in a lot of NFL locker rooms, and and you know the, the bond, you know the camaraderie, you know the brotherhood that it takes in order to try to be successful. Okay, and you know the friendships that go on in that locker room. A lot of a lot of time when guys retire, what do they say first? I miss the locker room. I, I miss the chats that we have in the locker room. I miss all that. And it's like a family. So when Kaepernick took the knee, and don't, I'm not naive. I understand that when Kaepernick took the knee, even in, in NFL locker rooms, even with players, there are some players that felt a certain way and a majority of players that felt the other way. Okay, let's be honest here. And I think what, right now you're seeing with Drew Brees is Drew Brees missed the point. Now, whether that's his own ignorance, whether he was influenced by somebody else, but Drew Brees missed the point of why Colin Kaepernick took a knee. That's where the frustration's coming from right now. Because Emmanuel Sanders understands that Colin Kaepernick took the knee because of racial injustice. LeBron James understands right now that Colin Kaepernick took the knee for racial injustice. Michael Thomas understands that Colin Kaepernick took the knee for racial injustice. I never heard Colin Kaepernick one time in an interview say, I don't support the troops, forget this flag, it's stupid. No, I never heard him say that one time. So the frustration comes from when Drew Brees says he's not going to support players that take a knee because it's disrespectful to troops like his grandfathers who served in wars that's not what it was supposed to be about. So essentially, Drew Brees is missing the message and the frustrations coming from because he doesn't see the bigger picture with why Kaepernick did it in the first place. Yeah, uh, well said. And, and again, I, I that's why I think 
what you just said is nobody ever said this is why it's going on to disrespect the flag, to do mm-hmm. anything. They didn't even try to make that correlation. Mm-hmm. But here we are making that correlation and separating the issue, two different issues. You know, uh, that we're arguing uh, or not arguing. No. Uh, Drew Brees is bringing up something that's a totally different issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, his response could have been you it, to unify, maybe mm-hmm. then, you know, why he was doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. How would that have come across if he had answered the question with, well, does it what happened in the last week show you why that protest was taking place the way it was? Yeah. Um, yeah, and you're right. And, you know, and, and I can tell there, there's going to be a, fun, a fundamental difference here about what we think should happen going forward. So let's just put it on the table. I think that if players decide to take a knee again, I don't think it's going to be received as these players hate the country. These players don't support the troop. Now, I, I, I'm not naive. Once again, I understand there's going to be a group of people, even in the media, that are going to say, well, this is disrespectful. This is going to be bad. This is not going to get the message across. This is going to literally just crumble everything that we work so hard to build in these protests in the street with these peaceful protests. That's all going to get thrown away. My argument is, and this stemmed even from a couple years ago when Kaepernick first took the knee, listen, when you protest, it's not supposed to make people feel comfortable. It's supposed to make people talk, okay? I, I'll be honest with you. When Kaepernick first took the knee, yeah, there were headlines here, 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 there. But if you remember how history went down, it wasn't ignited until Donald Trump called him an SOB. Then all of a sudden players in that locker room took notice. Then all of a sudden, it was like players versus the president. And that's when it really got charged up, okay? Because the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, took notice, okay? When you see these protests right now happening, I'm talking about the peaceful protests, even when you stop in front of traffic and maybe some people get upset about it, people are talking about it. People are not comfortable. You're not supposed to be comfortable watching a protest. You're not supposed to be comfortable when we're talking about these racial issues. Because if you're comfortable, you know what happens, Brady, if you're comfortable? The news isn't going to play anything, okay? I've watched Fox News and I've watched CNN the past week or so. To nausea, man. I'm tired of it, but I feel like I have to do it because I have to be informed and form my own opinions of what's going on. All I see right now is fear and I see violence. You know why? Because that's what they, they choose to air. They're, they're not going to choose to air the peaceful protests. They're not going to choose to air a guy that went to my school back in high school who's in North Dakota right now who literally 5,000 people all got together and saying, lean on me in a park. They all, they all got together and saying, lean on me. I haven't seen one you know, retweet. I haven't seen one thing on CNN or Fox News that celebrates that. But my point is sometimes in order to make a change, you have to be uncomfortable. So that's why, at least in my opinion, I think that if players do feel the need to take a knee once again, I'm not going to be opposed to it because I get what the what the, what the, what the main point and what the main goal is going to be. And we've talked about this already in the, just very briefly in the last couple of minutes coming out of the Drew Brees stuff, but not on air. And, and what I said to you on that is I think that could be a mistake. Mm-hmm. And the reason for it being a mistake, because we already know what happened when it did happen. Mm-hmm. And this has nothing to do with a view. I'm telling you what happened and what we discussed yesterday and what Emmanuel Acho even indicated when Colin Kaepernick did try to protest. And why we, in some respects, asked yesterday, is Colin Kaepernick, are more people rallying around Kaepernick now than ever before because they're now seeing what Pete Carroll said today. And that is he was before his time in this protest. We should have listened more during the 
But are we going to get away from the message is what simply I would ask. I'm not going to make this into a patriotism flag thing. Sure. I'm just going to tell you what I witnessed four years ago, three and a half years ago, that would maybe happen again to take away from mm-hmm. what is going on now and what may transpire for the next couple of months. I even said to you, and I don't know if this is the right way to do it. I, I just would say, is it better? Is it more wise to let's take football, for example? Mm-hmm. And whether you stand for the national anthem or or not, and don't kneel, but on that first play of the game, Mm -hmm. both teams or whoever wants to kneels, doesn't play the play. Mm -hmm. Is that just as powerful? Is that is that still protesting? Is is that now not mixing the messages, not allowing the other side, if you will, to take it off message Mm -hmm. uh, and even though many people know exactly why it's being done if it was kneeling for the national anthem. So I just think I lived through that. I mean, yeah. we discussed that. We talked about that at, at length. And it was the mixed message. And, and I think we even admitted yesterday it got lost. I mean, Kaepernick's messaging got lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the message the last five or six days I don't think has gotten lost in – even the little bit of violence and looting, even though some of the news channels might be showing it. I know sure. to a degree it can be, but I don't think it has. I think that's why this feels like it's working more yeah. uh, right now. So that's where I come from on it when yeah. we ask this question. Will players kneel? Should they kneel? I don't know if they will. I don't know if I would probably say they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with the patriotism part, more so oh. to be with the messaging part. Yeah. Um yeah, and, and and you know it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens once the NFL season starts because I think you know right now fundamentally a majority of society with where we're at right now and let's be honest there's a lot of violence happening as well it's not just peaceful protesting we've seen the violence okay we've seen it all over the place and I think right now we've we've heard from coaches we've heard from athletes where it's like well you know what maybe Kaepernick was onto something. Maybe, you know, taking a knee um, and doing it during, in a peaceful manner, maybe that did speak volumes. And maybe some people didn't listen to Kaepernick. So I challenge now, I guess, society where it's like, well, how is society going to react to it? Because I remember when he first did it, yes, and, and I know it's not about patriotism, but it is about patriotism. Okay? Um, it, it is about, you know, a group of people thinking, like, he's disrespecting the flag and all that stuff. I'm curious now if society's adapted to the point where it's like, well, we get the point now, okay? We understand what this is all about. They're not disrespecting our troops. They're not disrespecting flag. They are patriotic, but they're just trying to choose to use their platform for something like that. Like, I just wonder how the audience, how they're going to perceive it now, if it's going to be different than what it was a couple years ago. And, and I don't have the answer for that. Yeah, and, and I would say this. You watched CNN, yeah, Fox News, sure. and I would say even if you want to eliminate CNN, if you watch MSNBC yeah. and Fox News. This is about as political as I'll get here on the show. Mm-hmm. But there are no blurred lines if you watch. Correct. And so those two entities alone, forget mm-hmm. about anything else, still exist. Yeah, you're right. And so where does the messaging come from? Well, probably some of it, at least, those two entities. Mm-hmm. So how will it be per, uh, portrayed? Yeah. I think I already know the answer. Yeah. That's why I would be skeptical mm-hmm. um, more than anything else. Uh, if especially, again, we hit on this earlier in the show, man. I think this is one of the reasons I feel like there are there's discussion about it as much, maybe even on our show. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I feel like there's a tension on it. I feel like athletes are talking about it. Everybody's talking about it Mm -hmm. from kids to adults to to wherever is probably the situation we're in with the pandemic. But more so because we don't have sports. We don't have the. We talked about earlier in the show where we don't have scoreboards to watch. We don't have agendas of, hey, I can't do this. I can't say this because, well, I don't want to distract from my team and I'll Mm -hmm. be a distraction and I'll get a talking to by a coach. Well, right now there are none of those things. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, these players are saying things however they want to say because they believe in something. And with that, not even uh, consideration because they're not in the buildings or they're not going to play a game tonight or tomorrow or on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So right now, I think it's almost a benefit uh, to really get this drive going, to really take advantage of this time with sports on the on the pause button for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, And when that comes back, will it be will we even forget about the kneeling or anything else? Will sports hide some of the messaging in itself? I, I think yeah. that's a curiosity. Sometimes you could say, hey, sports figures can use the platform. But I would also say sometimes scoreboards, wins and losses, fantasy football, gambling uh, and contracts kind of uh, diffuse the message uh, potentially. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're right. And listen, like I'm sitting here now as a former NFL player. And I'll be honest, man, like I, I don't like Michael Thomas calling out Drew Brees. OK, I don't like a man. I mean, I, I like it because I think it needs to be done. But. There's, there's got to be unity, okay? Because e- even in these protests, we talk about the 1% who cause, you know, the violence. Even in locker rooms, we talk about the 1% who maybe think like Drew Brees, maybe shouldn't have said that. Like, I get there's going to be divide in everything, uh, in any kind of group. There will always be divide. And then there always will be a fundamental difference. But I think the NFL, they have a chance to do something special. Because whether we'll see what happens with the NBA We'll see what happens with the NHL and all that stuff, but it's not going to feel the same, okay? Because if the NBA, it's going to be playing in Orlando in front of zero fans. We're turning on the TV, it's going to be like, well, this is weird, okay? Yeah. I mean, that's going to be one of the things. The first thing we say is, well, this is kind of different. If the NHL comes back, no fans. Well, this is, this is playoff hockey. What what are we doing here? If baseball comes back, we'll see what happens. But the NFL has a chance because they might not skip a beat. There still might be fans. And once again, we'll see what happens, but there might be fans in the stadium, and it might come off as, you know what, this is the same NFL that it's always been. And the NFL has a chance to make probably the biggest impact because of that reason. And the last thing I want to see right now in NFL locker rooms, especially with a guy who's so well-respected, especially with a guy who is essentially one of the biggest faces of the NFL, the last thing I want to see is a guy, you know, lose his platform lose what he's trying to say because of a mistake and and i don't want to see divide so it's just that's i i don't want to see that stuff well yeah it's a good point it's it's really this brings up divide a little bit Mm -hmm. and when you're starting and from a totally different angle uh but but it does so um drew Brees, uh by the way big uh topic of discussion uh not only here on the show but across the country right now as uh he was asked about uh kneeling if players were to kneel and said uh, he is opposed to players kneeling and therefore teammates. His quote is, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. And then he continued to to go on from there. And since then, teammates like Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, since then, uh, LeBron James and others have uh, said, you missed the point. 
You know, you're missing the point uh, in even in this day. And I'll read some of those responses real quick. LeBron says, wow, man, is it still surprising at this point? Sure isn't. You literally still don't understand why Cap was kneeling on one knee. Has absolutely nothing to do with disrespect of flag and our soldiers, men and women, who keep our land free. My father-in-law was one of those. Richard Sherman says, he's beyond loss. Guarantee you there were black men fighting alongside your grandfather, but this doesn't seem to be about that. That uncomfortable conversation you were trying to avoid by injecting military into a conversation about brutality and Quality is part of the problem. Josh Jacobs, uh, young running back for the Oakland or now Las Vegas Raiders, mm-hmm. says this ain't it. Uh, Devin and Jason McCourty, the twins that play uh, for, are they both with the Patriots now? I believe I they so. are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it says, this is a disgrace to speak about your grandfathers as if there were black men fighting next to them. Those men later returned to a country that hated them. Don't mm-hmm. do avoid the uh, avoid the issue and try to make it about a flag or the military. Fight like your grandfathers for what's right. Uh, so that's some of the reaction uh, around uh, the NFL to what Drew Brees had to say. And it's a big story uh, happening this afternoon if you're just catching up. Yeah. And listen, we just had a great conversation about will players take a knee or not and should they? And, you know, I think we're on both sides of the fence right now, and that's okay. But this begs the question as well. You know, when Drew Brees comes out and says he's not, he's ever going to agree with it, well, what is this going to do, Brent? This is going to make some players mad, okay? This is going to make Richard Sherman mad. This will make some of his teammates mad. And what happens when players get mad? You saw with Donald Trump when he called Colin Kaepernick out, called him an SOB. What's going to happen now? Well, you know, you know it's funny. It, 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 not funny. It's, uh, it's something I said, actually, to uh, Steph last night. I said, sometimes, right, sometimes you need to hear the messaging of mm-hmm. anything. This is of anything, by the way, of, of something stern, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, take like, um, uh, you know, we were applauding what Killer Mike yeah, said yeah. On, uh, in Atlanta. Yeah. And it was stern, right? Had a couple of uh, super emotional emotion. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of, I would say, on the loud side, right? It's mm-hmm. like, are you listening kind of people, right? Yep. And uh, it had some swears in it and everything like yeah. that. Well, sometimes you need that. That's powerful, right? That was yeah. powerful stuff. But I also say some people are pushed back a little bit mm-hmm. by that. Like, you're yelling at me or don't tell me what to do, right? In, na- in general nature. Well, then there are others like Emmanuel Acho, and I actually, in this conversation, included you and your story yesterday mm-hmm. and some of the things you've said this last couple of days. As it's more, put my arms around you and welcome you to the conversation yeah. and invite you to the conversation, mm-hmm. invite you to the dance floor mm-hmm. a little bit. And if you watch that Emmanuel Acho video, again, these are two different ways to go at it, both very powerful. But some people are turned off by maybe the way Killer Mike will go at it. Sure. Uh, just in general, uh, and it doesn't have to be this issue alone, but if you're yelling at me and telling me what to do and, and, and kind of showing so much emotion, mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, 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 my first reaction might be to, to back off. Yeah. Manuel Acho's sitting there on a, on a, on a white screen, mm-hmm. right? And <laughs> it was a green screen, but they kind of produced it up yeah. and, and just saying, Hey, come on in. Yeah. Come on in. Let's, let's have a conversation. And some people are more attracted to that. Mm-hmm. So what my point of that conversation is if players now say, if this becomes now about Drew Brees versus players mm-hmm. and who's right and who's wrong again, mm-hmm. right? And and goes back to what I said on Monday and coming off the weekend, my biggest thought was, why are we so worried about being right? Let's worry about doing right. Of course. Well, are we getting away from doing right if we're worried about who's right mm-hmm. uh, again in these conversations? Yeah. And that is my concern, I guess, when we bring up 
the flag, the kneeling, anything uh, that distracts you from the doing right. And at the end of the day, it is about the conversations, right? Whether you're more of a killer Mike style where you, you prefer some guy to yell at you and get his point across or it's Emmanuel Acho, the conversations get started because of those, you know, of those statements. And Brent, you asked and you've answered it yourself. Does this feel different? Does what's happening right now in the streets, does what's you know happening right now from companies coming out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, do, does things feel different? And from my personal experience, I absolutely wholeheartedly agree that, yes, it does feel different because, once again, of the conversations. I'm not going to put, put anybody out there. I'm not going to call anybody out. But I've talked to an athletic director, a head of athletic director of a D1 school. I've talked to a head coach of a D1 school. I've talked to a position coach from a D3 school. And I've talked to various teammates and former and and past and current. And we've had conversations. All right. And these are white guys and black guys. We've had conversations about how the athletic director should go forward handling some of, you know, his players because he doesn't really understand what can he do. All because he heard a soundbite of the show. Okay. So the conversations are happening. So this does feel different because I'll be honest with you, man. When the Kaepernick stuff was going down, nobody reached out to me for my advice. Nobody asked my opinion. But now I'm seeing it in my inboxes. I'm seeing it in my text messages. And there are people out there that want to have the conversation. And the conversation's the start. Then where we go from there is our choice. But I'm just saying from the conversation standpoint, it was where it has to start from, I am seeing a difference. Uh, that's a really good point. I didn't even know that until you just said it. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the discussion, the dialogue is so important here. And then hopefully actionable change after that. Uh, that's a great segue, by the way, because coming up next, Bobby Ramsey, state championship coach of the Mandarin Mustangs, coached Yuli as well, including Derek Henry and Jamari Peacock and lately uh, Carson Beck, who's now at Georgia. I'm going to talk a little high school football, but I also do want to talk what's being done for high school coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, they see this locker room full of white kids, black kids, ethnic kids, and they go play football Yeah. at the most genuine level. Is it always like that? Can it be difficult? How hard is it these days? What do you portray in educating to your team? Because remember, now coaches are very influential in a young person's life. Mm-hmm. And forget about the NFL and the and getting paid and even in college where it becomes more business. What about at the root of it all? Uh, we're going to talk to Bobby Ramsey about some of the great players he's had, about a little high school football, what they missed in the spring, where it's going, are we going to have a season, and also um, about how you educate your players uh, and what's going on in our country right now. It's next on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back to Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. A lot happening in the sports world. Shad Khan with an op-ed piece. Uh, Drew Brees. Some inflammatory remarks uh, that has people reacting uh, all over social media. And also the NBA looks like it's getting back to action. We'll find out for sure, I think, tomorrow after a vote takes place. But it looks like July 31st to October 12th will be the season. 22 teams down in Orlando. So, again, these things are starting to take place. July 31st, think about that. If that's when the NBA gets to rolling again, NFL training camps are supposed to be open. You know what else happens right around that time? High school football practice starts up. And for the you, you go get your shorts and, and you do your workouts and oh, all yeah. that. Then a couple of days in, you can put a helmet on. The smell and, that fresh cut grass, Brent. And then you put the pads on. Yep. And then we're talking Friday nights in the fall. We don't know for sure if we'll have Friday nights in the fall at the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking we will, but we don't know for sure. A guy that loves Friday nights in the fall joins us right now here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Happy to have Bobby Ramsey, Mandarin High School Mustangs head football coach, 
Coach Det Yuli as well, Derek Henry, Jamari Peacock. We'll talk about some of those days. Coach, thanks for hanging. I know uh, we were initially had you on at 4 o'clock, and then we pushed you around a little bit. So thanks for the flexibility and patience with us. I uh, uh, appreciate you guys having me. Uh, you know, uh, now, nowadays, uh, schedules uh, seem to be a lot more flexible, so no, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hope you and your family are doing well uh, during uh, these last couple of months, and um, I'm assuming they might be a little bit sick of you by now since you haven't had many football practices. Um, I mean, they, they don't act like it anyway, so, um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're at least good there, but um, I haven't really... I've sort of channeled my, you know, football other areas, so um, I don't think I've worn them out too bad with it. Very good. Uh, what, hey, what is the impact? Do you think uh, of missing some of the spring stuff, the spring practices, uh, maybe a, a spring scrimmage? Uh, do you think there's a big impact on the fall across the board in the area for high school uh, and, and especially for you guys at Mandarin? I think it's 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 a little bit up in the air because a lot of us haven't gone through it. There's a lot of states that don't get spring football, so they're saying, well, it's not really, you know, you wouldn't have a shoulder to cry on here. Um, I will say that, you know, when you go back and you look at your film, you look at your spring game, and then you look at, say, week five, week six, um, you're a lot different football team. <laughs> you know, you've, you've, you've changed a lot. You've gotten a lot better. Um, so I, I think you'll see I, – I, I think you'll probably see – uh, especially early on, um, guys haven't been off for so long. You'll probably see some some rust. And coach, when we talk about obviously right now with the pandemic, and you don't get that spring time, you you don't get those extra practices. I mean, we talked about a little bit like what college coaches are doing. We've also talked about what NFL coaches are doing via the the, the Zoom, uh, you know, teleconferences and things like that, going through the playbook. But what does it? What does it look like in high school? Because, I mean, every single year a high school coach is going to have you know, those younger players who have to step up. I mean, can you contact those younger players? Can you kind of get them on the same page? Can you kind of share some of the playbook? Or are they going to come into training camp basically fresh? We're, we're fortunate that we have a, a young – or not excuse me, that we have a veteran team returning. Had this been the year after the state championship – um, last year, you know, where we were, we looked like an expansion team. We had so many, you know, new guys that, um, that we'd probably be sweating a little bit more. We're, we're very fortunate. You know, this is, this is our fourth year here. So this is our first group of seniors that we'll have had for four years. Uh, we didn't have any changes uh, on the staff. So the terminology is the same. Uh, the relationships are there. What we did was we took advantage of Zoom like a lot of people did. Um, but you know we had to you had to be specific about it. I don't I don't think it was a situation where um, you know we're working yeah you know, we're not working with NFL guys. So we we had to make sure that you know the meetings were to the point, uh, purposeful, and you know kept the kids engaged because you, you don't know necessarily if they're going to translate what you're seeing on film to what's going to happen on the field uh, in, in that setting all the time. So. Um, you know, and the guys were really good about, about logging in. And then in, on the physical side of things, um, you know, we, we, we try, we did our best to hold them accountable. And I think they did a really good job. Um, they checked in with the, you know, we gave them like a lot of people, um, different home workouts to do. And we told them if you have weights at home, use them. And the ones that did, did. And, um, you know, we had guys kind of all over the place as far as what they had access to. But, um, I think the staff did a really good job with their positions of making sure guys were checking in every day and, and doing what we'd asked them to do. 
I think that's a really key part of it, too. If, if your guys did their work and they got in shape and they're accountable, and, of course, in a program like Mandarin, you have a lot of competition, so you better be you're going to lose a spot or you're not going to be able to compete for a spot. But that will be key for so many teams because when you get on the field, say, in August or late July, whatever it might be, well, you want to be able to use that time. You don't want to be spending half the time getting people in shape. So this summer will be an important facet of that. Bobby Ramsey, 2018 state champion coach of the Mandarin High School Mustangs with us here at Action Sports Jacks. On ESPN 690. Hey, what's your gut? Uh, I'm starting to hear some some word that uh, the local schools will be able to get back on the field uh, maybe as soon as June 15th. Uh, do you think you're going to play on Friday nights uh, in the fall? Do you guys feel like you're going to play football? I know it's kind of a gut move right now. I, I, I guess uh, I guess we have the same source. Um, yeah, I, I've been hearing that date as well, so that's kind of what we're hoping for. Um, yeah, I, I you know the the people that I've talked to. Um, who sit on a lot of the the state boards and um, are higher? I, I really do believe that we'll play football. What it's going to look like, I, I don't want to say because who, who really knows as far as the the crowd situations and and you know the precautions that we're going to have to take with the players and things like that. But um, I, I do I do you know I heard the governor say the other day that he feels good about it. So uh, I really do believe that we're going to have high school football again. What you know what what it's going to look like. And how much everyone's going to have access to the games, that that part I don't know, but I do believe that we'll play. You know, what's interesting is we talk a lot, uh, Bobby, about how, like, pro sports will look. Like, what will the NBA look like when it comes back? And you hear those squeakers, yeah, uh, sneakers right. squealing, uh, right. you know, on the right. court. And, and that will be a tough one to watch. Like, NASCAR's come back, and you're like, oh, outside of the guy, nobody's cheering for the winner. Uh, you really right. don't notice it that much. I think golf yeah. outside of Tiger Woods when, when he's in contention, I'm not sure you'll notice it that much. But high school football, we haven't talked about much. Mm-hmm. High school football, man, it is all about the atmosphere. Sure. I mean, even as a coach, Bobby, how much do you take in, you know, the band, you know, the the crowd, especially if there's a heightened game and a big game? Uh, do you zone that out? Do you, do you think players will have a tough time kind of getting themselves going if if that's not the case this year? Um, you know, I kind of I kind of answer that in two parts. Yeah, I, I think you know certainly when you when you're in those kind of games, those big games, those district games, those playoff games, um, larger crowds, bands, things like that, you certainly get a, you, you certainly feel the energy, um, and, and it's something that makes the experience very fun. Having said that, um, I think our guys just want to play football. Um, they they saw the spring sports go the way they did, um, and I think they'll they'll take football however they can get it. Um, sure, they would love to have the band. They would love to have the crowds. But um, I think I think if you ask any kid in the state of Florida right now, um, they would just say, "Hey, just give, hey man, just give me football." You know, mm-hmm. I just want to get on the field. So I think that's probably where we're at. Well, and it's also important to keep in mind too here, Brent. Like, like I always talk about, professional athletes or you know, high school athletes—they're creatures of habit. So, if they practice without a band, if they practice without a crowd, well, they're kind of accustomed to that, right? So, I don't think like as far as the skill level, um, what you see on the field is going to change that much. But, coach, I actually wanted to ask you—you you mentioned it, right? You have a lot of upperclassmen coming back. How much of an advantage is that going to be right now, given everything with the pandemic? But also, if you don't have fans and everything, well, maybe having upperclassmen is going to kind of benefit you a little bit, not getting, you know, not needing to get hyped up and everything. I hope it benefits us a lot. <laughs> it may be a question I get back to you in, you know, late September, early October, and tell you for sure. But um, we're certainly counting on it helping us. Uh, I think, again, the, the guys having been through this situation um, are are just are just i think everybody just wants to you know hopes and wants to play so um you know and and maybe gradually throughout the season things things do return to a certain point um 
I certainly think it will be hard to keep parents from the games. Uh, you know, football's uh, a, a very physical sport and the risk of injury is inherent. So I know parents were going to want to be there. So I don't know that, uh, um, you know, and again, I'm just speaking hypothetically, but um, I think the, the safer we are now, hopefully the better things will be come fall. And, Coach, you also mentioned the injury portion of it, right? And, you know, the, the guys haven't been there for summer workouts. The guys haven't been training together. they kind of been left to their own devices, if you will. I mean, how do you approach that as a coach now? Like, is training camp, you know, those first couple days back, are they going to look different? Are you going to kind of, I guess, ease up on the reins a little bit so guys are all conditioned, or is it kind of business as usual from your coaching philosophy? Um, I, I think... I think you definitely change it. Um, and one thing that we've talked about as a staff is, you know, look, these, we don't, when, when we do get our guys back, it doesn't need to be, hey, let's take them to the, to the, you know, Mustang mile time or, or <laughs> like, you know, let's not put them through. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, if they're listening, they don't either. Um, but, you know, we, um, one thing that this has really afforded us is the opportunity to, to, to clinic online with a lot of different coaches to, to learn and study about a lot of different things in football and, and sports in general. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the science, even without this kind of pandemic is really, you know, the, the, the old school way of getting them in there and just, you know, running them into the ground and last man standing kind of mindset. Uh, it, it doesn't really get your, you know, the, the goal is to get your guys ready to play and what's in the player's interest. And um, I think as a coach, you have to check yourself a little bit in terms of, Getting, getting too, you're so amped up to get out there and coach and do this and that. You have to, you have to make sure that you're building the guys up and you're building them towards the season. And if you go out there day one, like you're about to, uh, you know, storm Omaha Beach two days later, uh, I, I think you're probably going to end up with more injuries and you're also going to, you know, ruin the experience for the kids. What would I run the Mustang mile in? Uh, Brett, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think you probably, uh, you probably get it done in, in under 10 minutes. <laughs> Hopefully. All right, so coach, so is this literally just like a, like a mile run here? I mean, you you had a Mustang mile, so I assume there's more to it than just a little jaunt through the park. Well, yeah, when you get around, you know, you you, you run the corners, and then when you get to the stadium, you got to run up and down the the bleachers. Oh. So, you know, Did so they have we were. Uh, not necessarily, unless they really start dragging. But um, it, you know, a Mustang mile is kind of like a kind of like going to your, you know, nuclear weapons or whatnot, you know, you don't, you don't want to have to use it. To <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just more like hangs over you as a, as a, as a, Hey, if the guys get this bad, then, oh, yeah. you know, it's Mustang mile time, but you know, you don't want to have to spend all your time as a coach watching them do that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, again, it's kind of like, uh, you know, nuclear weapon type deal. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to use it. But once you do, it screws it all up. Yeah, yeah, I got you. The, uh, put me in the offensive lineman group, please, if we're going to run. Uh, the uh, Bobby Ramsey with us, Mater and high school football coach. Uh, a serious topic now. You tweeted out a day ago that you had a Zoom meeting on social justice with other coaches, I think in, mm-hmm. in, in the state of Georgia as well, and you mm-hmm. applauded it and, and said how valuable it was. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on, and we appreciate you coming on, is – of everything going on right now in, in society in, in the United States, uh, we've been talking a lot about it on our show, social injustice. Well, we talk right. about it at the NFL level. We talk about it at the professional level, maybe even the collegiate level. Uh, but it's high school football is genuine. It's it's raw. It's it's you you got to get in that locker room and you got to become teammates. And it doesn't matter what skin color you are, where you came from, what's the size of you, how old you are, all those things. 
Uh, how has that been to deal with over the years? Has that been problematic at times uh, in your stops at Uli and Mandarin? Mandarin, a very diverse school, uh, as most people do know. Um, what is that dynamic like uh, with young people at times? Um, you know, at Mandarin, I think we're, we're really fortunate. We have a, a real, we have a diverse school. We have a real diverse, and I'm not just, you know, some people say, well, we're real diverse. And then you go look at them and you're like, well, I'm not really, but I mean, our football team is very diverse and our coaching staff is, is very diverse. And, um, I, I think that allows us to, on a day-to-day basis, you know, get the, the point home to our players that, you know, we, we treat you based on, who you are and what you do, your actions are going to define how you get treated. Um, everybody has value and what you do is going to either increase or take away from that value. So we're not big on, you know, we, we always say it's your action should be loud, not your voice. And we've always kind of taken that, that mantra. And uh, as far as the coaching staff, uh, I, I think we, we do a good job of, of modeling for the kids, you know, how you, how you get along with one another and how you treat each other with respect, regardless of, of what you look like or where you come from. And, um, you know, you might live in a, a 10 bedroom mansion. You might live in a one bedroom apartment. It's, it's what you do to help the football program. that's going to, uh, you know, determine how, how you're treated, uh, and, and where your values at. So, um, you know, we, we've always tried to take that approach. Um, and, and really across the board, just be genuine with our players, no matter who they are. Um, and everybody's different, you know, and uh, you know, you have to kind of understand, uh, people's backgrounds a little bit, and every player has their own different story. And the more you know about it, the better off you can be to help them. Um, I think at Yuli we dealt with some more of those issues, um, especially when I got there in the beginning. Um, you know, the community's changed a lot up there. It's basically become more of a suburban kind of uh, place. Uh, but initially, um, you know, I remember I'll never forget the, the first um, the first team meal, my first game. Uh, we were in the cafeteria, and I walked in, and, you know, all the white kids were sitting together, and all the African-American kids were sitting together. And I was, this was 2008, and I was like, man, I sort of thought we had moved past this. Um, so, you know, I was like, all right, we're not doing this. You know, so, um, you know, I'm not trying to say it was like that scene. I remember the Titans, but, you know, we, you know, we made sure that guys all started, uh, you know, sitting with their positions, and we were going to make sure that, you know, not everybody of the same skin color sat at the same table and, separated themselves because we all play together and uh you know your, your goal as a high school coach with situations like this i think most would, most guys would say um you know it's, it's not about maybe having a forum or you know doing things on twitter as much as it is the the direct impact you can have with your players now the, the hard thing is for us right now is we we haven't seen them so um you know i did message them on huddle a, a little bit about it but uh you know i i think for us, the goal is, you know, and I think our program, I think a lot of programs is, you know, we, we want to create good decision makers. You know, we want to create guys who are problem solvers and, and givers, not takers. And if they have that mentality when they go out into society, that's how you can kind of grow the crowd of people who are doing the right thing. Um, you know, getting on a, uh, you know, standing up on a box and, and shouting for us probably isn't as, as the most effective way to do it. So, um you know, and, 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 you know, I think, I think, uh, that if, if you do that and, you know, your players know that you value them. And I, I've heard a lot of, of that, uh, word used over the last week. I heard a lot of it on the, uh, the zoom meeting I was in. Um, you know, if they, if they feel respected, if they feel valued, um, 
that make you feel safe. And, and you know, that's ultimately what you want. Hey, well said. Bobby Ramsey, Mandarin High School a football coach. We're running up against it here in a minute, uh, but I want to keep in. And, Coos, hopefully we can run for another minute here. So, uh, it, And I didn't even get to the Jamari Peacocks and Derrick Henrys and Carson Becks of the world. But uh, this is a, a powerful subject right now. As your career has gone along, from your experience maybe in, in 2008 at Uli to now at Mandarin and, and beyond and, and things you've seen, do you do – you, I mean, kids look up to coaches. We remember our coaches. Do you kind of feel it's part of what you are teaching and educated and uh, educating and, and also uh, leaving these kids with when they go? Uh, just as much as football skills and football knowledge, uh, some of the things that happen in the locker room. I mean, it's been said many times this week. We wish our community and our world was more like the mix we in, in community and unity we see in a locker room. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of look at it like nobody's, I don't think anybody's ever treated me a certain way based on my skin color. I'm not going to treat anybody else any way based on their skin color. And, um, as far as the, 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 the football side of it, you know, if, if you, if you make the decision to coach, coach football and especially in the South, well, then obviously you better be comfortable with the fact that you're going to coach minority teams or, or predominantly minority teams. But, I heard a coach say one time when I started out, and and I, I I've kept this you know with me all along is my right is my my right is right my wrong is wrong, um and you know I think one thing that that I fight for on a day to day basis is to make sure that I'm being fair, um you know we talk about not everything's always equal but again going back to the value that you assign yourself based on what you do you know I, I fight for fair. So, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything, you know, that when I say something to the players, that, that I back it up, you know, and I, and I don't want to be a coach who, you know, when he says something, they roll their eyes and they're like, man, this guy's, you know, he's just, it's a bunch of lip service. Um, so uh, I, I think that's, I think that's as coaches what, what, what we struggle with um, is making sure that, that our programs uh, are fair across the board. And um, and I'm, I'm not just talking about, you know, the guys who are scoring touchdowns and sacking the quarterback. I'm talking about the guys who fundraise. I'm talking about the guys who are, you know, the, the 4.0 students. I'm talking about the guys that, uh, you know, bring it every day in practice. Um, you know, those kind of things. Uh, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're teaching the guys that, that, that that's what's important. And, um, you know, what, one thing you don't want to have happen, though, is, you know, you teach, if, you, if you strive to teach them, hey, guys, your actions are what matters, then 10 years later, something happens to them, and they're like, well, that's not what Ramsey told me. So, you know, you, you certainly, you, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to feel like you didn't tell them the truth. Uh, so, you know, that's a concern. Um, and you want to make sure that, that they're, they're going out into the world again, uh, you know, ready to, ready to, to, to do right and, and be successful. Hey, uh, well said, man. And I know you're making a positive impact on a lot of uh, young people. We appreciate you taking some time. I wish we even had a few more minutes. But uh, we'll catch up with you before the season starts, uh, which hopefully will happen, because I want to talk about a little more about your football team and, of course, Carson Beck and Derrick Henry and Jabari Peacock and Demario Douglas and, and those fantastic teams that you've had. But uh, enjoy the rest of the summer and look forward to talking with you down the road. Yeah, those guys, the reason the reason I get to talk to you is because of those guys. So, um, absolutely. <laughs> hey, we love talking to you either way, though. Appreciate it, man. Have a good night. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, guys, much appreciated. Thanks, Coach. That's Bobby Ramsey, Mandarin High School football coach, state champs in 2018. Coached all those talented players as well, no doubt making an impact. We'll be back on ESPN 6 night. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.